Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport 2, myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and you love your MMA, then this is the show for you. Final Extra, where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Joining me, as always, is Talk Sports Gareth A. Davis for another busy, busy show. We're going to look back a huge weekend of boxing, both here and in America. Terence Crawford made a successful defense of his WBO World to Weight title, stopping Sean Porter in the 10th round in Las Vegas. We're going to bring you all the fallout to that, loads of fallout. By the way, we're going to review another win for Richard Riappol after he knocked out Olaran Wajou Duradola to set up a future WBC world title fight. Whilst we're here from his promoter, Ben Sholem, as well. And we're joined by rising MMA star, a man that I was so looking forward to speak to, Mohamed Bakayev, after he became the latest Brit to sign for the UFC. Don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. I've been out of the ring for 22 months. I fought a month ago, 
and I'm back in the gym on Monday. Uppercut from Fury, followed by the left hand, and another right. Down oh, goes the shoulder, and the referee has waved the fight over. Tyson Fury is still the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Tries to land the big right hand of his own. Oh, he's gone down. Left hand from Gillian White. Big punches to end this fight from Mohamed Makayev. This one's in the books, and what a contest. Fight of the night here so far. Wow, wow, well, so much to discuss on today's show. You are listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. Gareth, how are you, my man? Well, still recovering from the weekend, Daddy. What an incredible weekend it was with incredible action to talk over. Notably, of course, um, Sean Porter retiring mm. after his 10th round. Two times knocked down in that round by the great Terence Crawford and, and all the other stuff. Uh, Demetrius Andrade defending his title, the, the Tyson Fury, Dillian White comments that have been made by Tyson Fury. Uh, he was there, of course, at Wembley on Saturday night. So he was grabbed by a few people. Um, you know, and Mohamed Makayev, I cannot wait to hear your interview with him. A Brit from Dagestan. Yeah, fantastic. Loads to get through. So let's do it. Let's take a look ahead to the big fights lined up this weekend in partnership with DAZN. Big Fight Preview on TalkSport 2 with DAZN. Your boxing, your way. Download the DAZN app or visit DAZN.com. All right, let's start at the top. This is the big one. I think we should start here. It's the biggest fight on the weekend. It was Terence Crawford having that, some might say, first elite fight. I don't know if that's fair or not to say, but elite fight against an elite opponent in Sean Porter. Um, what did you make of Terence's performance? Before we talk about the, the stoppage, because a lot of people have had a dig at Kenny Porter for stopping it and you know the words that he said after he stopped it as well. What did you make of Bud's performance, Gareth? Well, he, he had one of the toughest fights of his career. There's no doubt about it. Very interesting tactics from Sean Porter, bull rushing him at times, bouncing on the balls of his feet, showing mm. his ring generalship. It was a fantastic fight till about the eighth round. I had Bud Crawford um, probably around two rounds ahead after the eighth round. Um, but I thought up to the fifth, and I agreed with the judges that... Uh, Porter was winning the fight at that point. He was very smart. But Crawford's got this extraordinary ability to work others out. Um, and he did. And he, and he did the job. And he did it. Um, he fulfilled what he said he was going to do. Yeah. He got a statement win against a guy who had, went the distance, of course, split decision, against his big rival, Terence's big rival, Errol Spence. And I think he puts himself at the top of the welterweight division. I do agree with you. It was his first elite opponent at welterweight mm. um, in the prime of his career. Um, but he's retired. Um, but very strange comments uh, from his father, Kenny Porter, afterwards. And it was a slightly strange stoppage, in my view. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy you, you said that. because uh, I, I thought, please let me and Gareth be on the same page here. Because look, when he got knocked down the second time, obviously, Sean's upset. He's banging the canvas. Yes. And I'm thinking, okay, look, you know, he's upset, but he's still well within his senses if he's banging the canvas. So he can get up. You know, this is a championship fight. He's got war written on the back of the shorts. Obviously, a little homage there to, to, to Marvin Hagler. And I'm like, they're going to let this fight continue. And when the fight was stopped, I was like, oh, what's happened here? What, what's, what's going well, on? Well, I think... Well, I think I think that round was a 10-7, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's way be behind on the cards at that point. And I think mm. his father took the decision. Kenny knows him really well. Yeah, they live next door to each other in Las Vegas. I've been in his gym many times at the top of the strip 
uh, by the stratosphere. And I think his dad decided that he was going to get a beating for the last two rounds because he's going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Terence Crawford to get a victory. Mm. He needed a stoppage at that point. His dad really knows the sports. Yeah. And Terence had worked him out. He dominated the ninth round, Eddie. Um, and he just, that slick style of his um, had, had brought him to the fore in that fight. But prior to that, it was a brilliant competitive fight, an unusual fight. I was expecting them to stand off. There was a lot more clinching than I thought there was going to be in the contest. But a very smart performance again by Terence Crawford. And you know what? Every time he gets hit, he just grins. He's got a great chin as well. Yeah. And he proved it on Saturday night. Yeah, no, he really did. And we'll talk more about Crawford and, and obviously give our plaudits to, to what's been a fantastic career for Sean as well. You mentioned he's now retired. We'll look back on what has been, honestly, an outstanding career, not just in the boxing ring, but the way in which he conducts himself outside of the ring as well. I think he's been great for boxing. Uh, Dimitri Sandrade, he fought on Friday night, uh, live on the zone, uh, beating Jason Quigley in the second round. Um, I always said it was going to be a massive step up for Quigley. I mean, this is the guy that before Andrade fought Shane Mosley Jr. Uh, and then fought Andrade. And I mean, Andrade shows there are levels in this sport. But now surely, I mean, surely Eddie and Matcham have got to find someone of note. And this isn't discrediting Liam Williams or, or Quigley, but Andrade's a 2 8 world champion. He's unbeaten. I think he's, what, 33 now. Surely he's mm. got to get in the mix with a Charlo or Dervanchenko, the winner of Gigi Maratta. He's got to have a big fight next, surely, Gareth. Yeah, he does. He deserves it. But what the weird thing about Demetrius Andrade is that he is very powerful early in a fight, as Jason Quigley found, mm. as others have found, as Liam Williams found. They get knocked down early in the fight. He lets his heavy hands go early on. And then he settles into this rhythm of just winning the fight yeah. through his movement, his skills and his timing. And, he's, and he is amazing at it. Um, he does deserve a unification, but of course, you know, Ryota Murata and Gennady Golovkin are going to fight in Japan mm. um, in, in December. I'm speaking to Gennady Golovkin on a Zoom one-to-one -one later this week, and I will ask Gennady what he thinks of Dimitris Andrade if he comes through that. Mm. Dimitris Andrade deserves a fight with Gennady Golovkin, in my view, Agreed. if he wins. There's Jamal Charlo out there, of course, who's the WBC champion. But Gennady will have the IBF and WBA if he wins. And I'd love to see a unification for Demetrius in the first third of next year. Could there be a problem? If, I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask GGG all these questions, but at this stage of GGG's career, it's almost a case of, I want the big fights, the big money fights. And I understand that. He's had a long, tough career. It's about, you know, getting that pension money, and it makes sense. Is there a problem that maybe Demetrius isn't, Look, we all understand how this works. Isn't a draw, and maybe GGG's thinking there isn't much money in that fight. It's a tough fight. No, There's well, not much money in it. Mm, it is. Um, styles make fights, of course. And Demetrius Andrade is not a crowd pleaser after about the second or third round. <laughs> yeah. he, as I say, he, he isn't. He settles in to this extraordinary style. He's very awkward. He's difficult to beat. Mm. Um, he throws big punches. He's got a great style. Um, it's a bit like Lawrence Acoli. He's not a crowd pleaser until yeah. he knocks someone out, out. But he's got those heavy hands. Mm. And, you know, it, it's a very difficult thing for Dimitri. I think his promoters need to go to work. Like you say, Eddie Hearn, go to work, get the fight for him. And I, I think that DAZN can make a big fight for him. Because, you know, um, I know we're going to talk about Chris Eubank Jr. in a minute. But the, the, the thing is, you could draw Gennady Golovkin... If, if Eubank comes through his next fight, and we don't know what's happening with the Liam Williams fight at the moment, if he comes through that next fight, GGG coming back to the UK, of course, he fought Cal Brook here. He'd be a massive draw here Agreed. as well. Agreed. I, I do think that. And mm. then, of course, there's the Canelo fight, which looks less and less likely. 
with Canelo going further up the weight, stepping up to cruiserweight. I'd, I'd like to mention that today against Alunga Makabu. He's going to fight early next year at cruiserweight. Um, so I don't see him going back down. He's not going to get back down. They reckon he's going to come in at 180 pounds um, for his cruiserweight fight. That's Obviously it, then. He's, he's never a, coming back down to 168. I cannot see it. Mm. We might come down to 168. He'll definitely go down to 175. Mm. But how on earth can he get down to 160 again? He's going to have to drain his body. We know what happened to Roy Jones Jr. when he fought at heavyweight yeah. up from super middleweight against John Ruiz all those years ago and won a world title. He was never the same again when he came back down. And I think, I, I think even though um, Canelo's the, the great Mexican star is not going to pile on the pounds, he is still going to find it hard to cut down. I've got a feeling that the Triple G fight, trilogy fight with Canelo may never happen. And speaking to his advisors when we were setting up the, uh, the call with him uh, for tomorrow, it is actually, um, they said he's not bothered anymore. Please don't bang on about Canelo because Ooh. he gets very annoyed about talking about Canelo because obviously he doesn't like the guy. And Gennady is not that kind of man. Mm, indeed. Uh, you were at Wembley uh, for uh, Richard Riappol's fight against Dura Dollar. Dan Aziz versus Jose Burton. I don't want to be disrespectful to React Paul. We'll touch on that later in the show. But I thought Dan Aziz stole the night. I really did. I think going in, it was a 50-50 fight. Some people said, in fact, it was Jose Burton's to lose. And Dan Aziz won every minute of every round watching that fight. Looked fantastic. Got the stoppage. And now you look at the light heavyweight division in this country. I mean, there isn't a more stacked division in this country. There isn't. I mean, the heavyweights are stacked. Don't get me wrong. But light heavyweights, there's like eight guys... And yeah. all eight think they can beat each other. It's a fascinating division. And Dan Aziz has put his name right in the mix now with a, a really one-sided beatdown of Hosea Burton. Well, he is a star, Dan Aziz, mm. as a personality and as a character. You know, on Saturday night, we're talking about how he, he he's reminiscent, in a way, of Frank Bruno's personality. He's got... He's so likeable. Mm. He, he's so disarming. He's got that brilliant background of doing a degree in finance and accounting and didn't really want to be in an office all his life. But what he did on Saturday night with just a lot less experience yeah. than Hosea Burton came out with a perfect game plan, got behind his jab, crouched down low, didn't allow Hosea any advantages from his height. You know, he's a six foot five man and he's squeezing into the weight now. And I think he's suffered at uh, the weights, trying to make the weight. He, you know, he's in his 30s. Um, but Dan Aziz showed power and poise and precision. And you know what? I picked him to win by knockout. Oh, he's wow. a very, he, yeah, no, he's a very smart guy. Smart guys make smart boxers. Mm. They're not always educated boxers, you know, to tertiary education. But mm. the best boxers are very mentally strong and incredibly intelligent. Dan is one of those. And I agree with you. He puts himself in the mix now for some big fights with the likes of Joshua Boatsy, Anthony Yard, Callum Smith, Craig Richards, Callum Johnson. Mm. Um, who else is there? Lyndon Arthur. Yep. Joshua Boatsy. It's an incredible group of fighters and we could be seeing a halcyon period over the next two years between just British heavy light heavyweights alone it's a phenomenal moment yeah I really hope we get it because I remember back in the day where there's all the middleweights you know the Darren Barkers the Andy Lees the Martin Murrays Matthew Macklin we never got them we never got those fights so I hope yeah. now that there's eight and I think that was eight that you, you, you reeled off there Gareth fingers crossed we do get those fights because um, I think fans will be in for massive, massive treats. All right, you're listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2, and that was a look back 
on the big fights this weekend thanks to the zone remember it's your boxing your way game change still to come we will be hearing uh, from dillian white's trainer xavier miller as well as frank warren who's been speaking to our very own james avundra and hear from a rising star in mma as well mohammed mukaya but up next we'll be reviewing another weekend of boxing at wembley arena as richard riappel once again impresses in the cruiserweight division all i do is win 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 no matter what leading up with a left hook and down goes Durandola. and the referee has jumped in and stopped the fight Richard Riappel right on cue there as you were questioning him back in the studio has produced the finish embraces his trainer Angel Fernandez and as soon as he landed that left hook and Durandola went down you could see that he wasn't steady when he got back up and then he applied the finish and he applied it extremely efficiently yeah, great win for Richard Riat Paul. That's two wins back to back as he continues his comeback from that hiatus and that long, that long time out of the boxing ring. Um, Duradola though looks absolutely awful. I have to be honest with you, a shadow of himself. Uh, this is the guy that has challenged for world titles in the past, but let's not take anything away from Richard Riat Paul. Uh, this is Final Extra. Myself, Adi Oladipo, great Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, you were there. You were ringside for Richard Riat Paul's win uh, on Saturday. What did you make of his performance? Well, I was a little bit critical of it in, in a way, and I don't want to take anything away from what he achieved. He's still an inexperienced fighter in mm. lots of ways, even though, you know, he's 34 years old and came to the sport later with this extraordinary background of being stabbed in the chest and all yeah. kinds of things. He's got an amazing backstory. He's a wonderful man, a great physique, of course. He's a oh, huge guy. Ridiculously Yeah, I mean, he's Greek god carved, yeah. He's an Adonis, yeah. <laughs> yes, he's, he's a physical Adonis. <laughs> yeah. um, but my, my, my only criticism was... That he and I spoke to him afterwards as well. And um, you know, the great thing is he took it really well. And he says, I've learned from this fight. He doesn't want to leap up too quickly. Mm. I thought when he had um Ola Dorodola on the on the ropes, I was I was surprised he didn't go to body and head to drop the guards. Mm. And maybe that's in his inexperience, but uh, his inexperience. But uh, obviously, look, massive left hook to drop Dorodola in the fifth and really hurt him. Um, but he did, he showed a lot of patience and his jab was very good. I think he learnt from the last fight out at Wembley seven weeks ago where he had a bit of an off night and obviously um, gathered, regathered himself. He'd had a big pause in, in the career during lockdown. Um, but, but he admitted that he's not ready for the, for the Cruiserweight world title shot yet. And I agree with that. And look, yeah. he was 10 with the WBC. Um, Ola Duradola was number five. It propels him up the rankings with that silver, um, vacant silver title, uh, WBC title that he won on Saturday night. But in my view, don't rush it right now. Mm. There's lots of great opponents there out there for him. I'd like to see him fight, uh, you know, number six in the ranks, like a Badu Jack next. Someone that really knows their way around the ring, has come up from light heavyweight, come up from super middleweight, still a big man. Um, but I think a guy who's seasoned in that way, very difficult to beat. Um, I think Badu Jack is the perfect kind of opponent for him next. Yeah, it's, it's a good name. Really good shout, uh, Badu Jack. I, I didn't realise he'd gone up uh, to Cruiserweight. Obviously, there are other guys out there as well. You've got um, Eves and Garbo, former European champion that Lawrence Okoli beat, yeah. what, three, four fights ago in the Ingle camp. It's strange. He's beaten the guys that are already... like. If he hadn't beaten the likes of Tommy McCarthy and Chris Billiam Smith, I would have said those are perfect opponents for him, but he's already beat them, so it's difficult to go backwards. But with Billiam Smith, you know, having the European title and the Commonwealth and the British, I wonder if they might do that again. I know it was a split decision, they're on different broadcast networks, so it's going to be difficult, but those almost seem to be like the perfect opponents for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. In an ideal world, a rematch with the likes of Chris Billum-Smith, as you say, with those belts under, and he's progressed. He's yeah. got those belts, he's progressed. Ditto Tommy McCarthy. Um, but like you say, he's had those victories. If if Chris Billum-Smith and Richard were to meet now, I'd compare that years ago, I think way back around about 2013, mm. when George Groves and James DeGale met yeah, um, yeah. For, for like the European, British, Commonwealth titles at super middleweight and then went the winner was always going to go on and project up to kind of world title contention at that point so i think you're right i mean it's in an ideal world but they have got the hurdle of of rival broadcasters and promoters to get over but you know it's strange times i i don't think they will meet next but i would not mind it at all at Baddy jacks ranked six in the wbc i'd be pushing uh, for someone like that, I mean, you know, he's he's five with the WBA. Um, there, there's there's lots of Eastern Europeans out there as well. Mi mm. Mikhail Sislak, um, Alexei Papin. There, there's loads of guys there in that WBC rankings in the WBC rankings above him, Eddie. Yeah. Who he could who would test him? There's mm. no question about it. Indeed, uh, the, the murmurings on on Saturday night going around the ring, and this wasn't to discredit that the achievements of Dan Aziz and Richard Riappol was what is going on with Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams? I mean, what, what's happening? Are, are we making our way down to Cardiff or not? Um, before we get your answer, let's hear from uh, boxer promoter Ben Shalom, who, who look, dismissed reports that Liam Smith, sorry, Liam Williams, apologies, has pulled out of that Eubank Jr. fight. I've been speaking to Liam Williams' team. He is not out of the fight. I think um, Liam goes home for the weekend to Wales. He sometimes needs to sort his head out. Mm. I think he's had a lot to deal with this week, but he was sparring on Thursday with Dominic Ingle. He's not seen anything wrong with him. Look, we'll find out probably Monday, Tuesday. But, yeah, I spoke to I spoke to his management. I've spoken to Callis Awelan. We're still confident the fight goes ahead, but obviously we should get serious news on Monday or Tuesday, but I think it's a very, very premature to suggest that he's out of December the 11th. Gareth, I believe that's you speaking to Ben. It now. Was. I, I saw yeah. your tweet and I retweeted it when you said, look, basically you, you gave me some hope, Gareth, because I was all but mm -hmm. thinking that fight's dead and it's one of the fights I've been really looking forward to seeing. He mentioned Monday, Tuesday. This is Tuesday and still we don't know what's going on. Chris is even tweeting saying, okay, look, what's happening? Because people that have paid their hard-earned money want to know what's going on, right? You know, it's in Cardiff. It was in Cardiff because of Liam Williams. He is the Welsh man on the card. Um, do you have any latest on it, Gareth? Do we know what's happening? Well, listen, here's, here's the issue. The Cardiff Ice Rink sold out 3,500 people. It's Oof, a brilliant God. venue. Joe Calzaghi, Enzo Macronelli, Gavin Rees, loads of these guys have fought there before Steve Robinson. Lots of them have fought there in their careers, and mm. it's always brilliantly attended. It's a brilliant little venue, little circular uh, venue. Now, publicly, nothing's being said, Privately, I'm still hearing that he's out, um, but but it's not that they're, they're, they're whisperings from insiders. They're not. I don't think the fight is going ahead at this moment, and I imagine they're scrambling around looking to find a new opponent for Chris Eubank Jr. The problem is it's down in Cardiff, where, like I say, all those tickets have been sold because they're looking for a stentorian crowd, mm. a kind of partisan atmosphere because Liam Williams is facing Chris Eubank there in his home country, just a, you know, a stone throw, a few 20-odd miles from where he's from in the Rhondda Valley. So um, we, we will get news soon because Eubank will want to know we are, how far away, what, what are we, um, two and a half weeks away from the yeah. fight, for goodness sake, mm. or oh, three weeks away three from weeks, the fight. I think, so yeah. 
Yeah, so so we need an answer, and I suspect we'll get it. But there's nothing concrete right now. Maybe it will turn around, like you. I do hope so, because domestically, it is clearly one of the fights of the year. I went to the press conference with them both last week as well. You know, and Liam Williams was doing his trash talk, and Chris Eubank was rebuffing it. Chris Eubank dressed like a, a rock star, <laughs> and Williams in his tracksuit, giving it, like, <laughs> being a real dog in there, you know? So... You know, it'll be massively disappointing if that fight is not going ahead, Addy. It really would. What will upset me even more so, I think, is that, look, Liam Williams, we know proud Welshman. He understands the tickets that he's sold. Yeah. If he goes into that fight injured, well, that will upset me because th the only reason I can imagine there is a delay is that they're trying to get every assessment they can to mm. say, OK, you can fight Liam. But, you know, but there's going to be this issue or that issue. And Liam, he seems like the kind of person that doesn't want to let everyone down. The worst yeah. thing for me would be to see Liam Williams going into that ring 60, 70%. That would be the absolutely. worst thing. And that's what I yeah. don't want to happen. So just announce it now, people. Yeah, absolutely. Something has happened, clearly. Yeah. Dominic Ingle's not replying to me. Liam's not replying to me. They're all under the covers at the moment. Heads in the sands. We do need a resolution from it. And like you say, if it's going to be someone else, and it's disappointing for Chris Eubank Jr. because this is a fight that he explained to us. He is so up for because he does, they don't like each other, but he respects him as a fighter. He has to. He's a, as he's called him, he's a dangerous man, Liam Williams, for Chris Eubank. He believes he'll stop him. He believes his style is made for him, but we do need an answer and he needs an answer because at the end of the day, the, the problem is Chris is there wanting to, uh, you know, number one ranking with the WBA, number three ranking with the WBC. He's really in a position, again, as I said on the top of the show, to challenge the likes of Ryota Murata, Gennady Golovkin, Demetrius Andrade, Jamel Charlo, the four champions at the moment. And, you know, suddenly, are we going to get, you know, Turiano Johnson, Andre Sirotkin, Luis Arias, Amilcar Vidal, you don't know these names. Many people don't know these names. And it will, it will be an anomaly to have one of these people facing Chris Eubank Jr. with a huge Welsh crowd there in Cardiff. Yeah, you wonder or not if they're discussing whether or not the fight card should be pulled in its entirety, which will be disappointing. Mm. But, I mean, who's going to headline? Clarissa Shields against a girl that not many of the people there would know. It's interesting yeah. to see what they're doing. You can understand why they're taking a long time to decide what to do. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2 in partnership with DAZN. Uh, your boxing, your way, DAZN game change. Next, we're going to turn our attention to the future and ask what next for both Tyson Fury and Dillian White, as well hearing from Javier Miller and Frank Warren. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I could watch that fight back and back again. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. I think that's how our very own Andy Clark losing his voice there in commentary duty. You're listening to Find it Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis with you as well. We are going to discuss the heavyweight division uh, now. I say the heavyweight division. We're really going to focus on Tyson Fury and Dillian White. The WBC convention was last week, Tuesday. We all hoped and expected to maybe hear Mauricio Suleiman and the rest of the board say, you know what, Tyson Fury, you're fighting Dillian White next. We didn't get that. Understandably so. There are sort of uh, legal issues in the background going on. Before I get Gav's take on it, let's hear from uh, Tyson Fury's promoter, Frank Warren, who says, look, we're not in limbo uh, due, to WZ, due to the WBC's Dillian White arbitration case. We're not going to be hampered by his problems that he's got. They're his problems and, and to be sorted out. They're not, you know, that's, that's down to them. We're not, you know, what everybody's got to understand is Tyson is the, the world champion, not Dillian White. We're not... This is not going to, he's not setting the, uh, the the ground rules here. It's the champion who will do it. And uh, obviously he's got to sort out his situation uh, with his arbitration. And I don't even know if they've called a date for it yet. Who knows? I mean, Tyson's arbitration took ages. Mm, uh, Frank Warren there uh, uh, speaking um, last week on the situation, as soon as he heard about the WBC and that ruling. Uh, Gareth, um, let's talk about it. I think those in the know maybe expected the WBC to do what they do. Obviously, look, if they are going through an arbitration with Dillian White, they're not going to then say, OK, look, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you the biggest fight that can be made in boxing right now. Uh, but at the same time, you hope that this situation is going to resolve itself very, very quickly. Um, I am in the camp of Dillian White deserves a world title shot. I'm also in the camp that says, I want to see Tyson Fury versus Dillian White over here in the UK preferably Old Trafford, 75,000. Do you think it will resolve itself or do you think Tyson Fury is going to move on and go somewhere else? Well, there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge, Eddie. I mean, the, all this broke just after our show last week. I remember uh, penning a piece of the Telegraph at the time uh, about it um, and obviously doing the, 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 the necessary ring rounds to find out about it. Well, um, there's more... I, my understanding is there's more than one lawsuit about him, um, oh, certainly... Wow. Um, you know that he he's he's brought claims to, against them that um, he should have been mandatory uh, both before um, he lost the mandatory to Povetkin. Uh, that was when it began because obviously uh, when the two fights were announced between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, um, he felt at the time he had a right to the WBC uh, title at that mm. point. So so that's where it all began. I think you know what I don't understand. Um, is why if they if white's 
team wanted the fight with Tyson Fury and they wanted the WBC to mandate that and make him mandatory, why they didn't drop the lawsuits and go and see them at the convention and, and try and iron out all the creases, if you like. Yeah. But they didn't, clearly. Or we don't know because there's a lot of, there's a lot of silence. Uh, you know, it's a, it was a very kind of muted um, announcement. It wasn't directed deliberately at uh, Dillian White, but there was no mandatory announced in the heavyweight division, um, although there were in other divisions. So um, Tyson Fury, as Frank rightly said, and I did speak to Frank about this last week, and uh, um, I think, you know, it's, it's about what Tyson Fury wants to do next. I mean, you can throw in the mix the fact that just today, um, there's interviews with Joe Joyce, who's training in uh, Las Vegas at mm -hmm. the moment, saying, you know, he was there at the Crawford Porter event last uh, weekend, that, you know, he wants the fight next with, uh, with Tyson Fury. And that's an easier fight to make in many ways. There's also um, the rulings and, and what Bob Arum, you know, who I quoted in my piece last week uh, when this came out was, you know, the truth is, um, you know, if they do a purse split, given what Tyson Fury earns now, perhaps in the region of 20 million a fight with Paymasters being ESPN, that and what Dillian earns, you know, there is probably an 80-20 split going to go on here. And that's the normal agreement. Yeah. And uh, Bob Arum said, you know, the, um, Eddie Hearn, Dillian White's promoter saying it's outrageous. He said, no, no, you know the rules. And he yeah. does know the rules. That, those and are he the said, rules. if anything, yeah. yeah, they are the rules. And if anything, it should be 90-10, Bob Arum is saying, not me, Bob Arum is mm. saying that when you look at uh, the purses. My other issue, Eddie, and I, I don't know whether they can get over this, Yes, they might be able to get a big old Trafford fight, but will it generate the kind of sums that Tyson Fury has now paid? Mm. And when will ESPN or his US major paymasters in the USA, are they going to be happy with an afternoon pay-per-view event? I doubt it. You're right. Um, You're with American right. time zones. So Tyson Fury said on Saturday night um, to Coogan Cassius of IFL TV just in the backdrop when he'd been there with Hosea Burton mm. after his loss on Saturday night to Dan Aziz that he's going into camp in January and he's going to have a fight late February, early March. I do not see that happening in a stadium in the UK other than, um, you know, in Cardiff because it's got a retractable roof. Uh, obviously, it's seating for 80,000, 90,000. We've been there several times before, mm. you know, going way back to, you know, the likes of Joe Calzaghi, Frank Bruno, but it's got that roof. So um, for me, it will happen in America. And um, if, if that's not resolved with Dillian White, um, and as Freire said, I'll smash all of them. I don't care who it is. I'll face all of them. I'm having a fight early March, and I think he will. And I really do think my instinct says it's going to be back in America. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if it is. Let's hear now from Dylan White's uh, trainer, uh, Xavier Miller, who says, look, Dylan White deserves uh, this world title shot. He can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tyson Fury. Dylan can jab with anybody. The, the guy, a lot of the guys that, that Tyson Fury's box don't have a jab as good as Dillian White's. You know, um, like I said, I don't want to discredit any fighter because I love boxing. I don't like to do that. I just know what I've got. And Dillian can, Dillian can beat any of these guys, any of them. You know, he's got a very, very strong team around him. I remember Dillian's very hungry. I mean, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had what the others have had yet. He hasn't had a chance to fight for a world title, win a world title. A very hungry fighter, very dangerous fighter. So, yeah, of course, I'm extremely confident. Yeah, as he would be, uh, Xavier Miller. Obviously, uh, been training Dylan White now for a, for a couple of years. Remember, you can listen 
So the full interview is both Javier Miller and Frank Moore. On that Frank Moore interview, I, I mentioned it was like it was last week. It was actually today. Just head over to Talksport Boxing on YouTube where you can watch catch loads of other great content um, as well. Uh, Gav, question here. I, I've seen this sort of trending on, on social media. I think Sam Jones started it. Um, who has the best chance of all the British heavyweights? So let's just say, I say all. Let's give the top three. Dillian White, Joe Joyce, Anthony Joshua. Who has the best chance of beating Tyson Fury? Yeah, they've all got an equal chance, Addy. And I was in on that interview. No, but let me just say, I was in on that. I mean, obviously, I was doing that interview with, with Xavier Miller, and I didn't disagree with anything he says. Mm. Dillian is a dangerous, hungry, ambitious fighter who's been thwarted and, and held back for a long time. And for him to get this contest right now, um, and, you know, he's at the peak of his powers. He's an amazing survivor. He's come back brilliantly from his losses. Um, and I think for me, um, he's probably the biggest challenge out of all of them. I think Joe Joyce doesn't have really fast hand speed, yeah. but, but Tyson's got to get on him and hurt him. Um, you know, Anthony Joshua is a blockbuster fight. <laughs> the Anthony Joshua that we saw against Vladimir Klitschko, the one that takes risks, the one that comes forward aggressively, has a good chance. Um, and, and Jojo and, and Dillian, look, they all, for me, they've all got an equal chance. Mm. But I think if I'm fair to everyone, um, and I always get accused of, you know, being on uh, Tyson Fury, like, overpraising Tyson Fury, he showed against Deontay Wilde, who's the biggest puncher in the division, yes, not the best boxer, that he's got huge cojones and amazing chin, great powers of recovery, all those things. And he can get up for a big event. And at the end of the day, he had those terrible elbow splints going on, mm. shards of bone around his elbow, and wasn't able to fully do going into that fight. His father, John Fury, revealing that when Tyson got back to the UK and secretly went to get his, um, straight away to get his elbows, you know, to have the microsurgery uh, on his elbows. I agree with Xavier Miller. Um, uh, Dillian White's got a fantastic jab. Um, he's got a very dangerous left hook, one of the best left hooks in the business in heavyweight right now. Um, and, you know, let's hope we get either Joe Joyce or Dillian White against Ty Tyson Fury next, next. And I agree with you, Dillian White clearly deserves a title shot in the WBC. No, he certainly does. And obviously, I'm just excited just thinking about Dillian White versus Tyson Fury. Just yeah. the press conference. I mean, you, you could sell tickets for the press conference. I mean, you'd have Shane Fury and you'd have big John Fury. You'd have big Dean White on the other side as well. Eddie Hearn, you'd have Frank Warren. I mean, you literally could charge people entrance fee. It would be incredible. And that's why I really hope it happens. Whether it happens over here or in the States, I really hope um, that it does happen. Gut feeling, just before we go to the break here, Gareth, gut feeling. What, what do you think? Do you think we will see Dillian White versus Tyson? Or should I say Tyson Fury versus Dillian White? I do. I do think we'll see it. And I think we'll see it in America. I think it, Tyson Fury is a massive star over there. Um, his, his major paymasters, as far as my understanding, are in the United States. Um, the timing of the year is not good because of the weather. I don't know if Fury versus White sells big um, in Cardiff. And I, I do believe you, you, you need a roof, Addy. Um, it's a toss-up at the moment. It's still all up in the air. The balls are being juggled. Um, it could be Dillian White or Joe Joyce or A another. Yeah, A another sounds like the likely one for me, if I'm honest with you. All right, you're listening to Find Extra on TalkSport 2. Thanks to the Zone. Remember, your boxing, your way, game change. Next, we're going to return our attention to MMA, and we'll hear from the UK's newest Brit, Mohamed Makayev. <laughs> 
Good afternoon, you are listening to Find Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adil Oladipo, alongside the great Gareth A. Davis. All right, the UFC has just signed another undefeated star fighting out of Dagestan, but he's taking an alternative route. Mohamed Makayev and his father, Murad, fled Russia with no money and just a bag of clothes. And in the summer of 2012, they ended up at a refugee centre in Liverpool for 28 days before they were relocated to a home in Wigan. From there, Makayev turned to fighting, and after an impressive spell as an amateur, he finds himself signed to the UFC at just the age of 21. I caught up with him earlier today and asked him about the journey and if his struggles growing up have helped him become the fighter he is today. Come on, in cage, it's safer. There's like, there's referee, there's like everything, doping control and everything. Whereas all the side of life is, you don't know what's going to happen. It's like unpredictable opponent for, for all the way to your life, you know? That's crazy. I, I, I remember reading that you came over uh, with your dad. Um, again, you mm. have to stay in a refugee camp. But you give him, what, five pounds a day, both of you to, to survive yeah. and live on. It must be crazy when you look back at that compared to where you are now, right? But it's the journey from the start uh, to get to there. Where, where did mixed martial arts come into it then? I mean, you're, you're a kid, you're coming over to the UK. Um, we yeah. don't have, you know, much in the way of mixed martial arts over here back then. Where, where did it come? Where did that stem or dream come from? Yeah, so basically, uh, my, my dad was giving me, there's like a youth zone in Wigan, built like built by Wigan Athletics, you know, so I, I, my dad, I asked my dad, can you give me some money, you know, like, there's like, you know, when guys going out and stuff like this, you know, like, just, just like, just for pocket money, you know, every man should have pocket money, so, and I told him, he said, if you want money, you go to Wigan Youth Zone every day, there's like 50 pence for the entry, and mm-hmm. also I'm going to give you, like, 20 part at the end of the week because you're going there. So I started going there. I, started, I got in love with this, with this sport, with this journey. And then, and then like basically the money, I actually collected the 20 pounds every, every week. I spent the money for the competitions, you know, like to buy wrestling shoes and everything. Wow. So I started, yeah, I started competing, become like British champion for like five, six times. And, you know, you know, I got a little bit bored because I was competing in jiu-jitsu at the same time, a little bit, like while while doing wrestling. Just just like wrestle, hold, you know, like just get bundles, you know. <laughs> and then, yeah, so uh, so I got bored in wrestling because I couldn't travel for five years. The guys who I beat, they was traveling instead of me on team, on team GB squad. So I always become the champion and the guy who's second place got, got smashed. Now he's going to, and I'm, I'm like, hey, I need to challenge. I need challenge. So I moved to, I did boxing matches, like exhibitions, some bouts, and I, I was doing Thai boxing into clubs, MMA into clubs, start doing this to find myself challenge, you know, yeah. something that I'm going to train for and something that's going to make me like, I, I really want this. And um, and I, I, I was losing a lot, like in jiu-jitsu, in maybe, maybe like in Thai boxing, into clubs, boxing, I don't know. I was losing, but uh, that's something that makes me come back to training Monday morning and grind again. And then when, when I got, um, when I start winning, when, especially when I got my documents to travel, end of like, like 2017, I went to world championships and that's when I get my name out to, to show that I can fight, not just in UK, I can fight the world level, guys. Your belief is crazy as well, because again, you believed you were going to get your British citizenship early, you did. I remember you sent that um, Instagram DM to Dana White, back in 2018, said, Dana, follow me. I'm going to be in the UFC, and, and here you are now in the UFC. I, I want to go back a bit. Obviously, your, your IMF 
IMAF, sorry, world champion. Um, and IMAF such a good organization as well. Just for those that don't know, it's the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation. Good federation for amateurs coming up. And you've done that. You ticked all those boxes, stayed amateur for a while, which I think is good because I think a lot of a lot of fighters, especially when you think of boxing, a lot of fighters, especially no, sorry, especially in mixed martial arts, they don't have a lot of amateurs. They go pro immediately. You stayed amateur for a while. You, you've now done your thing in Brave. Do, do you think you're ready to take this jump now to the UFC? You're still very young. A lot of people, think of Paddy Pimblett, for example, turned the UFC down thinking he wasn't ready. You've taken this jump at 21. Why so early? Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm, I made the history, right, for UK to bring in two gold medals for UK. Nobody has done this before. So also like European gold medal I am of Oceanic Championship senior level. And maybe people say, I, I, I didn't go to senior world championships, you, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to... But the guy who I beat in juniors, actually, Kazakh guy, a guy from Kazakhstan, he was like to fight against me, but he, he just won senior European championships in IMF in Russia. He just got gold. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching... I know, I know beat these guys, and I was beating like guys who fight on cage wars, for example, like Liam Gittins, like... Jack Eglin, these guys on on the top level, mm-hmm. but I smashed them. It was like four and zero and three and zero, and but uh, and then when when I went to Brave, I fought against uh, opponent like Abdul Hussein, who was like ten and zero as an amateur. I am a world senior champion who was in Las Vegas in 2016. Then when I didn't have documents, the guys was winning. I am of senior championships, you know, gold medals. So that jump to the UFC now is a good one. I know you want to become the youngest ever flyweight world champion you got what a couple of years in order to do that that's the target right now right i mean you want those big fights you want to go straight in yes that's right that's right of course it's a risk like i'm young i'm still growing of course but if you don't take risk you don't make a history right so i remember when i was going actually to world championships people tell me hey don't go there uh, like one of the managers, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to say name, but one of the biggest managers, he told me, listen, don't go to world championships. There's like Russian guys, American guys, you can't lose your own defeat. I was 11 and old that time, mm. like as an amateur, you're going to lose your, I don't care about amateur record. I didn't ever care, you know. Of course, it's good to stay on defeat, but it's experience what gets me going now. And uh, and I believe I'm, I'm I'm ready. Great to speak to Mohamed Makayev there a bit earlier. Um to be fair, Gareth, I mean, this is a guy that's ready for the UFC, isn't he? I mean, unbeaten as an amateur and as a pro. I think his record's now 30. I know if you combine the both, he's going into that flyweight division, which is stacked through with killers, but he's a killer himself. And it'd be interesting to see how quick the UFC uh, push him, whether or not he goes out straight away. There is a card in March that Dane, I think, is trying to put together in London. Does he jump on that one? But what is good to see, though, is another another Brit, and he is now a Brit, right? He's now a British citizen coming through, going to the UFC, because I did feel we had a little bit of a stumble. Now we've got some really good Brits in the UFC once again. And, and we're coming. We're coming for belts in the UFC. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's you know, Tom Aspinall at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. There's Paddy Pimlet's making s- stirring stuff going on. He's a very exciting young man. And I think what you heard there in your interview with with Mohammed is, is, is that... What I like about him is he's got great comportment. He's 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 clearly come up the hard way, yeah. but also he's doing it what you almost might call in boxing the traditional route. Like say, been in Brave mm. FC, undefeated as a professional and an amateur, went through IMAF, had lots of 
uh, contact myself with IMF over the years, even before when they were first being formed. They have competitions all over the world. It's a brilliant breeding ground yeah. for the fighters. It's elite amateurs, which we didn't really have before because mm -hmm. people were being thrown in to the shark-infested waters of the big leagues, the Bellators, the, the UFCs, the one championships, without sometimes us knowing their pedigree. The fact he's Dagestani again, and we know that name, <laughs> Nurmagomedov, and all those other um, guys that have come in the wake of Khabib have, have shown that there is a toughness about those people in their bone structure, in their density, in their ability to wrestle, which is one of the great cradles like jiu-jitsu is for mixed martial arts. I love the sound of this guy. I don't know him personally yet, but I'm very excited that we're going to have a Dagestani from Wigan who's going to be challenging in the UFC. And get, you said flyweight in there. Is he going to go in as a flyweight yeah. in the UFC rather than a bantamweight? Yeah, he's going as a fly. Ah, uh, that's good. I like that. I like that. If you can make flyweight, that's really good. Indeed, indeed. Got about 30 seconds left. I wish we had more time, but Tiafima Lopez, George Cambosos Jr. on the weekend. Australian boxing, that's bubbling as well. You think of you think of Tim Zhu, Brock Jarvis. Big, yeah. big arse though for Cambosos against a guy that I think is no worse than number six pound for pound in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's, it's only his 17th fight, but in his 16th fight, he beat Vasyl Lomachenko. He knocked out Richard Comey, the world champion, in his 15th fight. He, he made... Uh, a unanim brilliant unanimous decision of Masayoshi Nakatani. Uh, he's, he's got an incredible resume as Tio Lopez. He's grown enormously. We spent time with him over in Las Vegas. He was on our show, of course, on Talk Sports in the build-up to Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder 3. Um, I just expect a masterclass from Tio. And I, and I think I see him getting a late stoppage on Saturday night. It's at the Hulu Theatre in New York City, of course, He's defending the WBA, IBF, WBO, and the Ring Magazine lightweight titles. Yeah, it should be an absolutely fantastic. It's been fantastic with you as well, as always, Gareth. Thank you very, very much. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.